With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wide keyword at DVE.com. Bonus. That's bonus. Enter it now at DVE.com. Live from the Don's Appliances Studios, where Pittsburgh shops for appliances, this is WDVE Pittsburgh. Kazi, how'd you do wagering this past weekend? You ever see those big, heavy machines that grind up all the little stones on the highway when they're paving a new road? <laughs> I was underneath one of those. <laughs> oh, Brent, freshly paved cement all over my backside. <laughs> Brandy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Billy Gardell. Wow, Kazi. Good morning, Kazi. Live from Los Angeles, California. The cousin from another muzzin. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, first yes, thing sir. I want to ask you about is yeah. I know you like to uh, you like to to wager on the uh, football games there. Where did you land this past weekend on that Lions San Francisco game? I had the Lions uh, plus the seven, and uh, that mm. was good. And I had Kansas City out of pure spite. That was the only reason I bet that <laughs> mm-hmm. had nothing to do. This is why you can't always play analytics. You got to go with your gut. And uh, my gut said, I hate Baltimore. So I'm back to Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, same. Sometimes Secondly, my, my heart won't ahead. let my, Sometimes my heart will not let me make the bet my head thinks I should make. Because I just no. like, no, I won't have fun. I'm rooting. I'm going for the fun bet. And then you just I can't, dial I can't it down. Really, I would never be able to sleep again if I bet Baltimore. I'd have to take a Silkwood shower every day for <laughs> right. an hour. I can't. I can't bet that team. So the joy of watching that dumb look on Harbaugh's face was just wonderful. I love the losing look on his face and Jerry Jones's face. Those are my two favorites. And then <laughs> yeah. I had Detroit. <laughs> And then I had a great bet on the money line. I was in Vegas, and I had a bet. I had to uh, put two hundred bucks on uh, the money line for Kansas City and Detroit. It would have paid two grand. Oh. And, and at halftime with the Detroit thing, I'm like, I'm a genius. Yes. And then Dan Campbell didn't go for those field goals, and I said, He's not a genius. <laughs> They blew it. Yeah, we texted before the game started, and Billy's telling me, you know, I like KC, I like Detroit, and I go, I like KC a lot. But I said, Randy scared me away from taking Detroit. I think they might get blown out. I don't know. And then you doubled down, and I said, hey, listen, I'm not getting in the way of anybody's bet here. You you trust your gut. You had a feeling. And it looked like that was the right feeling. Sure did. For about Mm -hmm. three and a half quarters. Until Until San Francisco started to blow them out, which is what they should have done in the first half. Look, credit to the Lions. Actually, the Lions and the Ravens both had the game in their hands. And then they just, of mice and mend it. They pooped pooped themselves. (laughs) You pooped yourself. there hasn't been a meltdown like that since Atlanta and New England. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would have made that team walk home. You guys are walking back. Uh, but you know what's funny? Uh, you were telling us 
before the games, when all of the analysis was going on, you checked in with an icon of Pittsburgh sports. Coach Carr, I text him once in a while, so uh, only once in a while, so I don't bug him. I don't want to get in trouble. But uh, he was, uh, (laughs) he said something in the morning commentary that I had to send and tell him I loved the single. You know, we heard prognostications for you know you get the hours worth of talking head stuff. (laughs) But Cower, right before the game, he goes, "In order for Baltimore to win this game." Harbaugh's got to find a way to look at Lamar Jackson and calm him down. And I I had to text him and say, Coach, this is the single greatest piece of commentary in sports. you got to calm down. I was was saying that all day in my house to the point where Patty was talking to me. Um, (laughs) you got to calm down. Everybody got to calm down. Well, you know, that's kind of what some of the people on the San Francisco sideline were saying during that second game. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but George Kittle, who I like to call Beach Kelsey, he... Was <laughs> echoing. Boy, Beach Kelsey's great. Uh, he just looks like he, he looks like a dude that should have been in Breaking Bad. Yeah, <laughs> sons of anarchy. Or point Break. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. So he he was doing the line from that meme. You know, I don't. You you probably seen the meme where the kid is like being interviewed after a high school game, and he's like, "Not gonna lie, like they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie," and so. He got interviewed after the game and he pulled it out. But that it's not just that. He was he saying it, it during the game. During the game to his yeah. teammates. You say something good up there? Yeah. Uh, I said it has in the first half, not gonna lie. That is in the first half, not gonna lie. All right, so that was all right, that's what he actually said in the right. post game interview with Michael Strahan. Now the NFL films footage drops down to Kittle on the uh, sideline. But and here we are now. I called that. I called that in the second quarter. I said, I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to be able to say this to the entire world. Called it. And then we did it. Here he is on the side. I can't wait at the end of the game. I'm going to say, hey, they had us in the first half. Not going to lie. I can't wait till after the game and I get to say, you know what? They had us in the first half. (laughs) Keep singing it. Have fun. Encourage you guys. Right? Yeah, that's him talking to Purdy there. It's a leader. Uh, well, and that's also a team that didn't lose their poise. They waited yep. for that crack in the ice, and then they just did not stop. They kept running the ball. They're down 17. Uh, listen, you leave six points on the floor in the NFC Championship, you deserve to lose. Yep. I, I don't care what the maths and science. You know, I look at analytics like Foghorn Leghorn talking to that little chicken. You know, I see, I see something creepy about a boy don't like baseball. <laughs> I don't trust any of that. You've got to coach the game and feel for the game and the momentum. And that's this is where analytics is ridiculous. I know that thought- has to crush those fans because, you know, your team did enough to win and go to a oh Super Bowl. God. Oh, my God. You didn't get beat straight up. No. Yeah. Um, I just thought of when you mentioned that chicken hawk. Foghorn Leghorn dynamic. Remember that scene where he's like, uh, "How did you do that?" And then he he draws up like how he hit a home run or whatever, like yeah. through mathematical. Yeah. That that's analytic. He's the that's those analytic. are the geeks that ruin baseball. They're the chicken hawks. Listen, I got news for you. They're ruining everything. Yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you I'm tired of going into a store and having to do all the work myself? I did not come in here and apply <laughs> for a job. Is there anyone that works here that I can talk to? <laughs> Where's your human section? Do you have a human section? I told you, Lady at Whole nope. Foods was, was lecturing me because I was checking out wrong. 
it, yeah, uh, I don't, and I, don't I was know like, all that. "What are yeah. you firing me?" I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't work here. I'm stubborn. I'll wait in line at the bank. I'll wait in line at the grocery store. Every time I look at that automation crap, I think someone lost their job. Yep, that's yeah. how I look at that. Mm-hmm. I don't too. I have nothing to do with it. My watch is analog, as I am. <laughs> I don't. I don't buy into any of it. People, are, you should get an Apple one now. No, I want to look down. My watch is quarter to three. Doesn't tell me my pulse. Doesn't tell me where I'm at, where mm-hmm. I might like to eat, how far it is from my house. I don't need none of that. Thank you. No, thank you. Uh, Billy Gardell hanging with us live from Los Angeles, California. Abby's got a news update for you. News this hour is brought to you by St. Barnabas Health System. It's cloudy today with a high of 45. We're just cloudy about out. cloudy out with the high. We're about 33 degrees right now. Uh, you know what? I'm going to throw this out to the room because I know that everybody in here just loves film. Today is Gene Hackman's 94th birthday. Oh, dude. Oh, I love wow. him He's so still much, alive. Man. Yeah, so I mean, much. so I saw him trending on Twitter. And, you yeah. know, of course, the first thing you do is like, boom. And so I took a look at that. He is still alive. Um, favorite Gene Hackman film? Oh, oh, oh my God! I got so many the conversation. Conversation's well, that, awesome. That's the legendary one. Um, what's the one he French did with Hoffman? Is the Scarecrow? That was fantastic. Um, I loved him as Lex Luthor. Oh yeah, Otis. Otis, Otis my little pea brain friend. <laughs> He's very good in that. I mean, great, I loved him in a few good firm. men. I wouldn't say that that. Or that, I'm sorry, the firm. The firm. He's awesome firm. in the firm. Mm-hmm. I, I, I bought his cameo at the beginning of Pale Rider. Don't know that I remember that. No. He I'm, just beat, he beats a guy to death. He's a sheriff, and he beats a guy to death in the middle of town while he's talking to him about not having other dirtbags come into his town. Steals the movie. Well, it's three minutes. It's unbelievable. Along those lines, I'm going to say the Quick and the Dead. Another great one. So good. And then, just solid everything he's ever done. Solid, solid delivery. Solid. It, he's a superstar character actor. Yeah, 100%. you know, you think about that. Yeah. He's he's mm-hmm. just so good 100%. at doing everything, and you wouldn't think he's like this big massive yeah. star at the end of it, but he is. Bonnie and Clyde. Get there Shorty. There you go. He's phenomenal. Oh, dude, get oh, Shorty. Get Shorty. He's great. He's so hilarious. When he's unforgiven. To- I mean, he's tremendous in that movie. That's what I was saying, not Pale Rider, Unforgiven, the beginning of Unforgiven. I'm not just talking to you, Bob. I'm talking to anybody who might want to come to my town and bother me. Mm-hmm. Royal Tannenbaums, dude. Oh, I, I can hear I can hear Pursuta screaming from Greensburg, Hoosiers! Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, just a monster, man. Just an absolute talented monster. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the best. And, and, and then he... Like slowly left Hollywood, and he's yep. like, "Leave me alone. I'm gonna live in New Mexico. Just leave me alone." And yep. he just kind of hangs out in Albuquerque. He's just in that class of brilliant actors of that time: Hoffman and Bruce Dern and mm. Duvall. Weren't they roommates? Uh, Weren't him and Hoffman roommates? They all were. Uh, Duvall, Hoffman, and I want to say Pacino were roommates. And there's a famous story about them talking about acting. Um, and I think Hoffman and Pacino are arguing about um, Meisner, Meisner, it's repetition, it's repetition. And the other ones, I think Pacino's like Stanislavski. It's about, it's about 
being as real about the moment as yeah. you possibly can, living the, the method. And Duvall's in the other room, and he goes, what does it matter? We're both broke. Yeah. We're all broke. <laughs> what does it matter? That's a good Duvall. That's the truth. I didn't know he had a cameo in Young Frankenstein. That made me feel like an oh, idiot. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah, he's the blind guy. Uh, yeah. I had no blind idea. Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. No idea oh, at all. Andy Plus. Reed's long history with Taylor Swift even had Travis Kelsey a little bit jealous. The Kansas City Chiefs coach recounted to Tom Brady and Jim Gray on their Sirius XM podcast that he's known the singer since she was a child. And it has nothing but appreciation for her support, saying that he knew her from Philadelphia. Her dad, Scott Swift, played uh, the University of Delaware. He was a big football fan and a really good guy. So that's actually oh, yeah, how. That's right. They're from Philly. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was the extra dagger in this for Philly fans. Was that right? Right after the Chiefs beat the Eagles in the Super Bowl, all of a sudden she's dating the tight end. Yeah, boy, could she pick them? I mean, she backed the right horse. Good yeah, lord, she, she could have dated yeah, anybody. Well, when you are a you know agent of the deep state, Bill, they pick it <laughs> for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know when you pick a when you when you recruit a spy, you probably don't want a billion people to know who it is. That's all I'm saying. She <laughs> would be the worst spy ever. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, there's there's people who really are buying into this whole thing. They they think that this they is think a she's going to be like plot. the Manchurian uh, candidate. I guess um, no, those those same people think the Earth is flat. You know, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck with you. I, I, I wish you well. I hope one day you'll come back and visit us again. Maybe she's going to Enrico Palazzo the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, the head judge will be like, you know, must kill. <laughs> you, I, I don't even want to say who, uh, but you can. Manchurian candidate exactly. shot. I'd be happy to be a voice of dissent about the whole, like, you know, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing. But now I feel like I can't because of the deep state stuff. It's just going to make me sound crazy if I don't buy into it. Yeah. Because I do think they have very weird body language. And this is, these are thoughts I'm having by myself that I'm not throwing out there on the Internet. I guess I'm throwing them out now on the show. But like even after the game, I thought their body language was super weird in terms of like, do I sense that they really love each yeah, other? Like, Do right. I sense a passion oh, yeah, but, between but, them or anything what, like that? And I say no. What's different about that, Abby, is uh, when you are in the public eye at that level, you literally have to be thinking about every moment you're outside the house in this world. Yeah. Everything is 40 pictures. Everything is 40 images. Everything is. So every little thing is recorded. So you have to you, you even talk about being a spy. You got to be able to walk your way through that without giving anything away. If you want to keep any sense of your privacy. Well, if you were wondering, David Letterman is Team Taylor. Uh, Taylor Swift, I don't think in the history of show business, in the history of popular culture, we've ever witnessed anything like this. Tremendous. She fills stadiums around the world and puts on a three-hour show. Now, we live in a world now where all we hear is good nonsense and ugliness. And the nonsense can't be more nonsensical. And the ugliness, God hopes it can't get any uglier. But that's all we hear. That's all we hear. So now, here's Taylor Swift who is a glowing, bright light of goodness in the world, and she starts dating uh, Kelsey Grammer. And people... <laughs> That's not true. What? Kelsey Grammer? Yes. Yeah. And, and, An interesting parent. And go people ahead. go crazy. And the, the Kelsey Grammer people say, oh, no, no, no. 
don't bother us. We're all caught up in football. We don't want Taylor in football. And the Taylor Swift people, the Swifties, are saying, oh, we don't want a footballer in here with Kelsey Grammer. And I'm saying, huh? Right, Travis Kelsey, and I say to both camps, this is such a lovely thing, shut up, it's good for the footballers, yeah. it's good for Taylor Swift, and it's something positive and happy for the world, and also politically, Taylor Swift is a huge force, and I think just wants to see people do the right thing, so God bless Taylor Swift and Kelsey Grammer, that's Not all I Kelsey have. Kelsey <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I, I do love Letterman. Um, yeah. And I, I, I think that it's easy to... Now, if, if Taylor Swift was out there waving a MAGA flag, you know, there wouldn't be a lot of people who are as accepting of that situation uh, as seem to be now. And I'd, I'm probably one That's of a them. good point. But, you know, the fact that she is remaining... Kind of quiet. She's not doing. She's done like, nothing she's wrong. She went on the jersey. She went to the, she's gone and she to the game and cheering yeah. for her boyfriend. That's all she's done. Yeah. It's all it. part of the plan. That's I, it. Now, to your point of yesterday, though, Bill, <laughs> if she really hates the attention, she doesn't have to go to the she games. She doesn't have to go to the games. She's been to a lot of the games. But it's yeah. kind of like uh, I don't know what story i'm thinking of bill where the famous person gets to go around like a regular person all the time this is as regular as it gets I for think somebody that was the like the tyra banks show she, did <laughs> she walked she around in a white fat makeup. suit yeah, remember fat, this? Well, yeah she turned herself into a fat white lady yeah. um, <laughs> but like she's like hanging out in the you know Kelsey box with his brother getting hammered, Burt Kreischer in it with his shirt off, and these dudes are jamming chicken fingers down their throat. And this is a girl who eats eleven chia seeds for lunch, and yeah. she's like, yeah. "I am part of a family." You yeah. know, I I can see that being a oh, yeah, she Plus, hasn't had a normal life guess, in guess any what? stretch. Uh, yeah, she hates the attention. And it's super fun to go to the games. She's getting yeah. the attention no matter what. So who she's with is probably right. more appealing to her than anything else. She can't walk out of her house. I'm just shocked at this day and age with the amount of distractions that we have that somebody is this big. I thought that we were like after Michael Jackson and Madonna and like the huge pop stars of the 80s and early 90s, like we were nobody would ever be that big again. Right, yeah. like, I, I would agree with that. I think it's that's crazy. I think that's all the way through entertainment because it's no longer we, we because of our stupid phones. We no longer have a watch communal, what you say about my phone. Listen, <laughs> we, we no longer have a communal vibe. We don't we don't no. all gel on a great show or a great movie anymore. We're all into our own thing. So it's these little pockets. You're either a podcast listener or you're a Hulu watcher or you're an Apple TV watcher or you're a, and so we're all divided watching our own stuff. So we have nothing to talk about. So when you do see someone that has reached across all those bridges, it's absolutely an astounding feat in today's mm -hmm. world. That's yeah. an astounding feat. Billy Gardell hanging with us live from Los Angeles, California this morning on DVE. The radio show that burns rubber. Make tracks with sports info, comedy, and your deep cut requests. Afternoons with Chad Tyson. Let's get the show on the road. On DVE. Every September, the biggest superstars from all genres of music converge on Las Vegas to play a festival. V.E. Sports.
We got Bailey Gardell live in Los Angeles, Gosh. California this morning. Tim Benson filling in for Mike Pursuit with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. It is brought to you by Bridgeville Appliance. Steelers owner Art Winnie II met with media members in a season-ending availability yesterday. And we heard from Cam Hayward last hour discussing the offensive coordinator position from his own podcast. Here's what Art Rooney II said about the prospect of keeping Cam Hayward on the roster despite his looming $22.4 million cap hit and his injury-plagued 2023. Yeah, I'll just say this. We, you know, we want Cam on our team this year and maybe going forward. Uh, he's as solid of an individual in the locker room as you could ever want, and, and uh, that's valuable to us. And uh, Unfortunately, he had some injuries to overcome this year, and hopefully he gets healthy and can come back really strong next year. I mean, the only drag for Cam um, is the salary cap hit is huge. If he has another injury-plagued year, that'll be tough. But I just think this is one of those things that <coughs> you accept that that's what it is because of what Pay this man his money. 100%. And he earned it, and he got it. And also, it's... You know, you know, you're speaking to other players when you elevate these guys. I think the question right. was, and the question was phrased in the Ben parenthetical of, "Can you do a deal with him like you did with Ben?" Which restructuring sure spread it out over Bobby Bonier. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be Defer. kind of a deal like you know, you're taking a pay cut to a degree, and Hayward has already said he doesn't want to do that, but. I mean, Ben didn't want to do it either. And then well, you when you're out- talking about that much money and you delay when you get to have that money, that is costing you money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Rudy was also asked if Mason Rudolph should have played earlier in this season. It's hard to say whether he would have had the same, you know, same results if he started a whole season. I mean, this wasn't the first season he played for us. And, and Look, overall, I think Mason's results as a starting quarterback in the in this league have been positive for the most part, and and so we know that, and and uh, we know that going forward, and that's one of the reasons why we want to have him back. You know, whether where he played, he should have played more prior to this. You know, I, I, I'm not gonna <laughs> speculate on that at this point. What he should have I'll, said. I'll, I'll answer it. Yes. <laughs> yes. When we got blown out by New England and they were two and ten, yes. Right then he should have come in. <laughs> right then. Everybody in the city knows that. And he should have said, You saw what it was like the first time around with Mason. It was like Lemony Snicket's yes. and I mean, a series of unfortunate events. It really was. <laughs> Uh, Max Starks, he's the sideline analyst for games here on DVE, and uh, he was on a podcast, too, called Pod Me Up with fellow former Steelers offensive lineman Trey Essex, and they were talking about the offensive coordinator search, and Max threw a name into the ring that I tend to wholeheartedly agree with. Clint Kubiak. Clint has been in an OC before. He's been on a couple of different staffs. His tentacles run a little bit longer. His dad, Gary, also has a good extended network. So I look at that and I say, okay, that's one that, that has not been mentioned, right? Because they're still playing. Uh, I actually, I'm mentioning Clint. That was my first choice, actually. My only problem with Clint Kubiak is that he spells his name with two Ks. Yeah, what is he, a Kardashian? <laughs> <laughs> when Max said Dad Gary, I was like, man, he has a great vocabulary. Oh, he's talking about his dad, Gary. 
His tentacles run long, Dad Gary. <laughs> Is that like Dad Gummit? The other problem. I do not talk about my tentacles. <laughs> he has actual tentacles. That's the downfall. My dad is Gary. Please call me Clint. Yeah, it gets a little messy when he's trying to hit the talk back button to communicate in the headset. Yeah, sometimes that can be a problem. But now we're going to have a group of people starting a web page about how he's got tentacles for real and nobody can see him. (laughs) He's a truth of it is. It's when he wears a blue hat, they happen and he just shot off. The water's turning the coordinators gay. (laughs) (laughs) You're turning me into octopus. <laughs> well, not only is he an octopus, but he probably might not want to come here, uh, given that he's working with a, a San Francisco offense yeah. that is through the roof right now. And I wonder that. Like, I, do you love the gig because it's a gig and an opportunity and with a historical franchise? Or no, do you I think look you got specifically I, for the quarterback. I I think you got to if you have a, that season where you go to the Super Bowl and you're a coordinator. That's the year. That you got to search for your head coaching job or your big job that's going to pay you a lot of dough because the next year you could be three and fourteen. You don't know. So when you have the year, you put the sale sign up. He's on a an iconic franchise. I mean, they they win. They win one more. They'll tie the the Steelers. Steelers. Yeah, you know. Yeah. They, but that's had, the that's the point though. That opportunity, like if you suck the next year, no one's giving you the big paycheck. So you got to you got to seize that opportunity. Couple other notes here um, in the same conversation with media members. Art Rooney said that uh, Terrell Austin actually take this is on the Steelers dot com interview. Look, give proper credit here. Rooney said that defensive coordinator Terrell Austin is getting a contract extension. He confirmed that. Uh, he said Acrisure Stadium. That the plan is uh, over the next ten to twenty years, they'd like to do um, much more at Acrisure Stadium. They want to renovate Acrisure Stadium. They want to continue to be their stadium. And then he also said that the franchise is in the process of trying to bid to bring the draft to Pittsburgh. He's optimistic that they're going to bring it here in the not too distant future. I've seen twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven as possibilities floated out there. And I do want to throw cool. one. Other By the th- way, but just to put a button on this one. AFC championship appearances for the Steelers, 16. Right. Yeah. NFC wow. championships for San wow. Francisco, 19. Wow. Mm-hmm. Man. Like, I don't think I think about San Francisco in the same league of the Pittsburgh Steelers in terms of legacy and history. No. You think I, about that dynasty in I, the 80s. I think about that brief, yeah, the, the dynasty in the 80s and then and, and, and I, I and give us fluke. all credit because Montana is from Pennsylvania and that's the only reason. It's a ring yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a fluke a Super Bowl here. So there. you can erase four of those. Yeah. <laughs> take, take them down to three. Oh, we get one of them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the Steve Young one. Not the one where they no. beat the Chargers after we blew it uh, against the Chargers. No, no. no. Nah. Um, real quick, I do want a very important, memorable, historic birthday today in sports. Today is the 94th birthday for the greatest basketball coach of all time, Jacob. Where are you going? In the game. Sit down. What do you mean? You've got to have five out there. Sit down. <laughs> Sit. Coach, need one more. My team's on the floor. Norman Dale, Gene Hackman is on the floor. Ninety-four years old today. From Hoosiers. 
Love it, love it, love it. He would have been 95, but he was mad at next year, so he's only playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he's one of the great sports movies of all time, obviously. I love tremendous. Hoosiers. Favorite scene in that movie is when he measures the the foul line to the to the rim and tells him it's the same here as it is back home. That's my that whole yeah. just so great. Thank God it was. And when we make the foul <laughs> shots, they played in a hillbilly little place. They might they might have screwed it up. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. You'd be like, oh Jesus, we've been playing on a short court this whole time. Right on the- <laughs> we, we this is really going to hurt here. us. That's four feet higher than it usually is. That's just odd, coach. I wonder Cletus dunked all the time. <laughs> Little Ollie is like windmilling and throwing down with two hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's his name? Dennis uh, Hopper makes that movie for me. I just run the Hopper makes at him. every movie. He, yeah, Hopper, he does make every movie. Another brilliant movie. Uh, quick break. We'll be right back more with Billy Gardell on the DVE. We all know what you want this time of year. Hush money, right? DVE wants to help pay your bills. Listen to DVE all day for the keyword at the top of the hour. We'll be doing it 13 times a day, 9 a.m. through 9 p.m. Enter it at DVE.com and you could win a thousand bucks to help pay your bills. <laughs> Thanks so much. On DVE. It's a January price freeze at Shorky's Chevrolet. And these deals in the North Hills and Murraysville are flying out the door. The last of the 23 Silverados save up to 10 grand. Or upgrade to a new 24 Silverado custom crew cab 4x4, just $329 a month. A new year is the perfect time to upgrade, and our trade values make it more affordable than ever. Your new year deal, your way. What a great day. Murraysville and North Hills. Shop the January price freeze at ShorkyChevy.com. Together, let's drive. See dealer for details. Rush to crush cancer. It's more than a ride. It's a mission. Casper here. And join us on Sunday, May 19th for the Rush to Crush Cancer Bike Ride. Whether you're a... It's the DV Morning Show, right and Billy there. Gardell is uh, hanging funky. out with us. Yeah. That's funky. Yeah, this is real sure, you could, you, you, you could walk down the hallway to this. That's that's what I demand. Mm-hmm. That I always have to play. Yes. What a stanky look on your face. Oh, yeah. yeah. Our CEO has a rain shower, a uh, rain hallway <laughs> in his office <laughs> yeah. where you have to walk through and it's misting rain. Mist. Ours is a funk shower. Hits you. Well, there's a water shortage. This guy got a rain thing. That's great. <laughs> That's nice. Bill, you were, you were a Breaking Bad fan. I was. I very much loved that show. Love Breaking Bad. See, I, I, I thought Breaking Bad was, I'd put it in my top 10 maybe, but I don't love it as much as everyone the else. The way you watched it was different, though. Yeah, that had something to do with it, I think. And you binged it all. The whole series. In, on an iPad in the hospital next to my dad farting <laughs> nonstop. So, yeah, oh maybe he had quadruple bypass. Then yeah. I'd sit there and listen to him tell the same joke to the nurses over and over. So, sure. yeah, maybe it wasn't ideal. <laughs> we started watching the show whenever we were still doing the Netflix DVDs where you had to send them oh in the mail. God. And yeah. then, you know, by the time that show wrapped, it was a completely different show. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Because so we almost definitely. bailed on it at the beginning. Uh, it, we we're like, "This is a dumb show. Who cares?" It's like too. It was comedic, but not that funny, and also a little dark. And we we're a like, "Ah, whatever." Too dark at times. And then we we jump back on that train, and I agree with you. I think it's just phenomenal. So the story arc. Brian Cranston was recently asked about it because you know there's the Better Call Saul uh, uh, spinoff was the spinoff, and mm-hmm. now some people are saying there should be another prequel to it. And he said. How about, no, 
Everything should come to an end, he said. Everything's cyclical. Our lives are cyclical. The seasons, trees, and everything. So it's okay to have a beginning, middle, and an end, and then let it go. Proud of yeah, what I think, he did. I, I think, yeah, that's it. And I think you keep moving. I told you, it's very rare that a spinoff catches a wave. You know, we, we want it to be so bad. But one familiar thing from a show does not create cast chemistry again to where you're like, I can't wait to see this thing. So that cast chemistry... You can't recreate it just because you want to. That's right. why it's so rare that a spinoff works. But I'm a big fan of doing something great and leaving it on. Then you got to go write the next song, man. Yeah. You got to go have a new album. You got to go out to the desert. You know, you got to figure it out. I love that one too because they didn't stretch out the story. The story ended. Like they, yeah. they, they had four seasons or whatever. It wasn't that long. Yeah. Six? I can't remember. Do you think there's a curse, Billy, for people like Jason Alexander? Um, you know the the Seinfeld cast. That when when a show like that ends, the the barometer for success for them is completely unattainable because they start to measure everything they do in terms of Seinfeldian success. Yes, and, I think they're. I think when you're at that level, I think you absolutely are in the pigeonhole. And I think there's only two ways out: keep doing good, solid work. Or more importantly, do something different. Go somewhere different. If your audience, if your audience is going to compare you to George Costanza forever, go do something different. Mm -hmm. Go find a different way to convey your talent. And I think that gives you a chance. Springsteen, there's an interesting Springsteen story after born in the USA. It was just like, how do you, after that tour, that album, it's like, where do you go from there? And he went and did two solo albums and people complained a little bit. And I don't know, where's the E Street Band and all that? But it gave him that freedom to do something different next, which eventually let him circle back to the band. I think as any kind of artist, you have to, if you get one thing that makes, that goes so far into the stratosphere, I think it's your job to go the opposite direction in your next project. See, I always find that same thing interesting about Tom Petty because I always wondered if there was yeah. part of Tom Petty because the, there was some heartbreaker. Uh-huh. Uh, well, there was actually there's actually one dude that couldn't stand. That's what it came down the drummer. to. Because, yeah, because at the end of the day, he was the only cat that they ended up getting rid of. But you know? when, they, when he did his solo records, it was like he basically used the heartbreakers. So was he, yeah. and then the records sounded like Tom Petty records, kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record. Uh, whereas I think Springsteen had a little more of a, a departure from yeah. what we knew the E Street band to, to sound like. Absolutely. And I never understood if Petty was doing that for any reason other than like going, I don't really need to have all the BS of a band. So like, or it was just him watching that documentary. Deciding as it went on, I am better sounding like I do with these guys. Yeah, and he did find new sounds. Like the the record, The Last DJ, is one of my favorite records. And and not as heralded as most of his other records. But without The Last DJ sound, you don't hear Wildflowers. Wildflowers came from The Last DJ. And I think... Um, I honestly think after watching that documentary, he just didn't want that drummer around because not just because mm-hmm. of the way it wasn't how he played, but what it was what he brought into the room as a person. And you can't creativity can't thrive with with cynicism and negativity. Uh, that's it just cannot it can't thrive. 
Yeah. You know, when there, when there's trust among artists, that's when creativity thrives. You can, when you got a guy in there that's constantly sticking a knife in the tire, it's just too much. And I think that was the way he got around that was like, you know, bringing them in, doing stuff by himself, bringing, bringing the guitarist in, then bringing, bringing in the, the, you know, the, the bassist. And I think that's what he was doing. Well, and that's what the Black Crows used as rationale for not like bringing the original lineup back together. You know, after Steve Gorman wrote that book, it was, you know, that was never going to happen again. Done so. And we've had Steve (laughs) talking about Steve's a great guy and he's doing radio in Minneapolis now and he's a tremendous talent. Right. But I always wonder, they would always, Chris Robinson would say, and they just did this huge interview to talk about their new album. Um, I don't even remember where I read it in, but it's a super long interview with Chris and Rich, and I hadn't read something this long from them in a long time. And he basically categorized it as Gorman. He said, I can't have that negativity in the studio. And I don't know that it was necessarily that Gorman was a negative guy so much as he pushed buttons enough that it would make Chris negative. And when Chris it gets negative, like... Rich can handle his brother, but when they have another person in there and the dynamic that once was anybody who's been in a band or a group of people that did anything creative or in a workspace, when you get back together, it can be 20 years later, you have a reunion of the people that you worked at a blockbuster with. Mm-hmm. All the old dynamics come to play. It doesn't matter if the net one of those people became Elon Musk. No, because it, the it, buttons are installed. You immediately <laughs> revert back. And that's yeah. why sibling relationships are so difficult because you evolve yep. as people. But mm-hmm. those original wirings still exist. And yep. you don't want to, you know, I mean, my brothers have done very well for themselves, but I can turn them into a nine-year-old in three seconds and they can do the same thing to me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Those those are the people that installed your buttons and they can push them sometimes without even knowing they're pushing them. And then that makes you get your back up. And then once that happens, there's no chance of creating anything. But that's period. what's good about what you and Bill Crawford do when you do stand up. Like as a stand up, it's you and your relationship to the audience. Sketch mm-hmm. comics who go on to have success in a troupe, they're still sort of, by, you know, the guys from Kids in the Hall, none yeah. of them ever had success outside of the kids in the hall at like right. not to a level that they could sustain. So well, they, fully, fully did fully as comic. an actor, not as a yeah. sketch comic. No, so correct, correct. they, they rely on each other for that Monty Python, like they all had their separate successes, but it was nothing like when they came together and had that brand, but you right. can read a million John Cleese interviews and, uh, or Palin. And they talk about the fact that the same dumb stuff they used to argue about. Way yeah. back then, never let's go. It comes up again. That's somehow. why Metallica was in therapy together. Which I thought and then was going to ruin. Everybody made fun of them. <laughs> I thought it was going to ruin them for trying to fix it. Yeah, how dare you get better? I mean, they. It seemed like it worked for them because they took probably some guff because it's not on brand for a group like Metallica totally. to be in touch with their feelings. It didn't go great for the music because it changed the lyrical content a little yeah. too much. Fish. Yeah. Uh it got very very <laughs> literal. Um and and also the the Bob Rock sweaters in that documentary were just offensive anyway. <laughs> and, he's, and he's not in Metallica, but the, he he wanted to be. I thought it was the therapist who was wearing the bad oh, sweaters. Oh, maybe it was him. It wasn't Bob Rock. It was the that, Dr. Phil that wannabe. therapist wanted yeah. to be in the band. Eugene Eventually Lane? it brought them together because they were like, guys, we can all agree this therapist is a jackass. <laughs> this yeah, therapist we likes this guy. <laughs> that guy reminded me of Eugene Landy, who is the guy that basically brainwashed Brian Wilson. Uh, and then as soon as I do a deep dive on 
Eugene Landy while I'm watching that the um, Lover. What the hell's the Brian Wilson movie with John Cusack and Paul Dano? Oh God! I'm watching that. And uh, I, no, I, I'm like, it's time that I find out more about Eugene Landy. So of course I do the the internet search. What do I find out immediately? Charge! He is from Pittsburgh because of course he is. No. Yes. Wow. Eugene Landy's a Pittsburgher. I go, yeah, I know a bunch of those guys around town. I think it's probably from Greenfield, Bill. Love and mercy. Love and mercy. Love and mercy. Yeah. Love and mercy. There we go. That's who he reminded me of, uh, uh, whatever that. And then that guy went away, by the way. He didn't cash in on on being the Metallica shrink. Maybe he tried to with like Dave Mustaine and Dave Mustaine choked him out or something. Yeah. I don't see that guy getting any work anywhere after that. Phil Towel, T O W L E. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway from that Metallica movie with the therapist is that the record that came from it was so bad. Was that uh, um That was Saint Anger. Saint Anger, which was just it so was if so they compressed and if they would have made this banger record yeah. that was legendary for the right reasons, well, then they would have been like greatest therapist but, in the world. But but like, they, really, hold on, hold on. I think it's because look, if if, if you're going to get into therapy as a, as a rock band, you, you shouldn't say anything. You should just go do your work and try to heal with each other because then the next album doesn't have judgment before it comes on. And for people that are terrified of their feelings, which is 85% of the world, you know, that's why people tell you, you got to sit and suffer quietly. And then mm -hmm. you just die of cirrhosis and hives. Yeah. <laughs> but but you, if you don't talk about what you're doing to change or or evolve, then you just go do it. And then the next album comes out without prejudgment. And that's what they should have done. This idea of sticking a camera up everybody's behind while they're trying to get better. Stupid. Yeah. You, exploding. You a preconceived notion. Exactly. Yeah. Also, just putting out an album together, another album, could have been the accomplishment. Could have been something else. And exactly. so, you know, put that album to the side. The fact that they're still in a healthy relationship with each other and still able to tour and be together as a group is yep. maybe a bigger deal. It absolutely you know, like, <laughs> Nobody really wants to hear a Metallica album about their love languages, probably, but... No. But, but they're, if you, they're if better they off as some, people. Yeah, if you, and that's the other thing. And then they're going to be able to play Enter Sandman for another 10 years and make zillions of dollars. I mean, that's a pretty good reason to get better, I think. Best line of the movie is when Lars Ulrich's dad is listening to the first few takes in St. Anger. And he says almost nothing once it wraps. And then he goes, I would delete that <laughs> <laughs> Abby if I had a nickel for every time I thought that <laughs> Billy Gardell live from Los Angeles California I know you have a live taping guys. tonight of Barbara Hart's Abishola so thanks for getting yes, up so early to be with us from the west coast My pleasure, always appreciate it love you thanks to uh, our buddy Steve Byrne you missed Steve he was on earlier yeah, nice. uh, Steve-O talking about the goddamn comedy jam return to the Rivers Casino on July 20th tickets available he says Mario. It's Mario Lemieux, not Mario. Mario. Not He's French-Canadian. Super Mario. He doesn't drive a cart. Super Mario. Super Mario. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mario Lemieux Foundation, of course, and that's July 20th with a stack cast 
Uh, Colin, Colin Jost, Roy Wood Jr., Joey Gatto, uh, Joe DeRosa. I'll be on the show. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. All that's those people. One. That's a big one. Yeah, and uh, also uh, thanks to Gene Steratore and Colby Armstrong for joining us as well. Tomorrow on the show, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, the old two-niner, Phil Bork, and Double M, Mark Madden. Billy, thanks again. Love you, cuz. Later, guys. Love you. Love you, cuz. Michael's up next with the Electric Lunch at Noon, DV. Classy Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. So now you gotta call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Here's what's Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.